Hello and welcome to the Matthew Rocky Show for this week of February 7th. My name is Matthew Rocky, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join me for the podcast today. Uh, we've got a lot to cover, and uh, let me tell you, uh, as I look back on the last five days and all the news that I could be covering, it's pretty astounding. And I'll be honest with you, right as we get started, I'm definitely not going to be able to fit in everything. Uh, there's just so much going on in the world around us, but I picked a uh, pretty good array of stories, some that I'm sure you've probably heard something about, uh, but then also some that uh, maybe you didn't catch um, in the mainstream of news that I think are important to know about. So I want to jump right in with these news stories, uh, beginning with our friends north of the border in Canada. I'm sure you've heard about the Freedom Convoy and everything that's going on in uh, Canada, specifically in Ontario and Ottawa. Uh, but Ontario's vaccine passports will soon go under review, so a plan for lifting the COVID-19 mandates can be developed, the province's chief medical officer said, as the province enters a state of emergency over protests against the governor, uh, government's COVID-19 mandates. Dr. Kirian Moore made the announcement in a press conference on Thursday, which was yesterday, where he said the public health indicators continue to show an improvement in the COVID-19 situation in Ontario, though the province will still not immediately lift the mask mandate or the proof of vaccination system. Moore said, quote, we're in a very good position to reconsider timelines as well as all public health measures, unquote. Uh, he also added that there will be a review of all public health measures in the coming days. He noted that Ontario is already beginning to lift their Directive 2, which ordered hospitals to halt non-urgent surgeries, which will resume in accordance with the province's guidance. Ontario embarked on the first step of its three-step reopening plan on January 31st and is set to enter the next phase on February 21st, allowing restaurants, movie theaters, and other venues where proof of vaccination is required to return to full capacity. Moore said also that the timeline may be accelerated depending on the health uh, situation in public. Uh, he says, quote, given how well Ontario has done in the Omicron wave, how well our health system is recovering, I would assume government wants and will review timelines as well as all public health measures, including when we, we remove proof of vaccination, when we remove masking in certain venues, unquote. Moore also said Thursday that the dropping of COVID restrictions was not due to the pressures from the ongoing protests in Ottawa that are blocking the Ambassador Bridge crossing, which connects Windsor to Detroit. The Windsor protest is in solidarity with the ongoing Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. The protest first began in opposition to the federal government's COVID-19 vaccine mandate imposed on the cross-border uh, truck drivers, but quickly expanded to a national movement supported by many who want all pandemic-related mandates to end. On February 11th, Ottawa's Premier uh, Doug Ford announced a state of emergency to deal with the trucker protests uh, in Windsor and Ottawa. I just want to stop here for a minute before I continue on, and uh, there's a lot that I could say about uh, what's going on in Canada, but the one thing I want to just say is no matter how much the leaders of the province of Ontario say, the country of Canada say, about why they are uh, starting to lift some of these measures, starting to change some of the COVID policies in the state, 
and saying that it has nothing to do with the Freedom Convoy. I think we can all in a rational mind say it has everything to do with the Freedom Convoy in some ways. Uh, That's where the pressure has come in these last few weeks. And it's only natural that they would do something about it in that case, because uh, Canada is still, uh, I I would say, uh, maybe they're they're starting to, to shift more to becoming a socialist state, but they still have a lot of the principles of democracy. They still have an election system. They still vote. And there's a lot of politicians who I'm sure are thinking about where their job is going to be if they don't start listening to the voters. Um, and and again, this is, this is a conversation that is uh, to be had at some point, but not today. But I think it's interesting to say when you do live in a democracy and you do have the right of the freedom of speech, the right to uh, elect your leaders, uh, the right to elect those who are going to govern your country, there's a lot more power that you have than I think um, a lot of people think they have, um, which is kind of sad because um, not not that we should be trying to overthrow governments and always just replacing leaders and, and taking out anyone whenever they don't do what we want them to do. We still have to realize that we've been entrusted with an incredible gift in that gift to vote um, and uh, have a voice in our, our country's government. Governor uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has voiced uh, his support for a bill that would prohibit the discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in the state's primary schools. A bill that has been called the Don't Say Gay Bill uh, was passed by the uh, Florida's Senate Education Committee uh, this past Tuesday along party lines. Asked by reporters at a Miami event on Monday, he said it was, quote, entirely inappropriate, unquote, for teachers to be having conversations with students about gender identity, citing instances of them telling children, quote, don't worry, don't pick your gender yet, unquote, and also hiding classroom lessons from parents. As schools need to be teaching to read to write, DeSantis said. They need to teach them science, history. We need more civics and understanding of the U.S. Constitution, what makes our country unique, all those basic stuff, unquote. Uh, He also added the larger issue, or really the crux of this whole uh, problem or uh, discussion that's being had around this bill, is that parents must have a seat at the table uh, when it comes to what's going on in schools. Although DeSantis stopped short of committing to signing the bill, it was the first time the Republican governor signaled his support for the measure since it was proposed by the state's House of Representatives last month. George Washington University, amid widespread criticism, has reversed its decision to censor criticism of Beijing, admitting it was a mistake to remove political posters on campus at the behest of Chinese student-controlled groups by the CCP, or the Communist uh, Chinese Communist Party. The posters in question are designed in a way that, at first glance, they look like real advertisements for the Olympic Winter Games that are currently underway in Beijing, but in fact contains satirical messages about ongoing human right abuses in China. Uh, One poster, for instance, shows a Chinese figure skater uh, skating over a bleeding flag of Hong Kong, representing the dramatic decline of the city's freedoms under the ever-tightening CCP control. The appearance of these posters on campus provoked a strong reaction from the Chinese Students and Scholars Association, known as the CSSA, Uh, which is known for a doubling uh, arm of the Chinese embassy to advance Beijing's overseas interests. The GW chapter of CSSA 
uh, decried what they called racism, uh, calling on the university administrators for a public apology and demanding that those responsible for posting the images get uh, punished severely. Uh, initially, uh, the president of George Washington University, Mark Wrighton, uh, was supportive of CSSA, uh, the CSSA complaint. Um, in a quote, he said, uh, quote, please know that I am personally offended by the posters. I treasure the opportunity to work with talented people from all over the world, including China. Your reaching out to me directly is much appreciated, and we are working to have all of these offensive posters removed as soon as possible. Uh, in a statement released on Monday, uh, Monday however, uh, that was Monday the 7th, uh, this past Monday, uh, Wrighton had revised his stance, admitting that the university administrators accepted the CSSA demands before investigating what the uh, posters were actually about. Uh, quote, I want to be very clear. I support freedom of speech, even when it offends people, and creative art is a valued way to communicate on important societal issues. Uh, Wrighton wrote, uh, he promised that George Washington University will, quote, not take any action against the students who displayed the posters unquote. Okay, so again, I think this is another stopping point where we need to uh, just take a moment and think about uh, free speech in our nation, or really the the forces that are that are going on um, in the culture around us. And it's a really important thing to keep uh, to keep note of. So first of all, with this story in particular, they're talking about what's going on in Beijing, um, and this is on a university campus, and I really uh, commend this professor because he's saying something uh, that, you know, George Washington University, I, I'm not super familiar with them, but they're not a, a university that strikes me as, as all that conservative. Um, but to have the willingness to get out there and say, I support free speech even when it offends other people is not a very popular message in this day and age. There's a lot of people who want to shut down anyone who says anything contrary to what they say or think. And the danger of that, of course, is A, uh, we're going to get zero exposure to other ideas. And that's a huge way that we grow. Um, but two, I think, um, of course, that, that just opens the, the door to become more and more closed-minded. Now, as Christians, we can see all the pitfalls, all the damages of that. And that's that's completely clear, I think, probably to, to many of us. But to those who are blinded um, by the, the real problem by the father of lies, uh, the the whole idea of having to live and operate in a world where um, they have to be engaged with people who are thinking and saying things contrary to them seems like this terrible evil. And, and, and I would say you could have a whole conversation about even the definition of evil, the definition of um, what what is acceptable, what's a, a good idea, what's a bad idea, what should be said, what shouldn't be said. And that's all for another day because I certainly don't have time to get into it um, here. But but the points that that I really wanted to make as I as I brought this up is a uh, pray for China. Um, they they do have uh, major major needs uh, across the government. Those are people who are made in the image of God that He loves just as much as you and me, and they are in desperate need of salvation. They're in desperate need of the Lord. And so don't ever write off people. Um, because of the atrocities that they commit, because there is um, still God's grace uh, that can be extended and that can be reached out to them. Um, so pray for the, the the leaders in China that they would change because God God's still the God of miracles. He could still do that. 
I pray for the people of China. They are living in conditions that I'm pretty sure none of us uh, can quite imagine. Um, and so pray for those people. Um, but then on our end, we do have a freedom of speech in this country, no, no matter who is trying to take it away. And I, again, reminder, it's not people. It's not the right. It's not the left. It's not progressive. It's not liberals. It's not conservatives who are trying to mess with our rights uh, to, to have ideas in the marketplace of ideas. It's Satan. And the forces that he is trying to uh, have at work in our culture, uh, dividing us and trying to shut down the voices of truth. And so uh, we still live in a democracy. We still live in a, a place, as I was talking all about with the, the Freedom Convoy, we have a place where we can use our voice. So I strongly encourage use it. Um, take, take the opportunity that we still have uh, to stand up for, for what we think. Uh, stand up for the gospel and stand up for the light of God's word. It's it's so much more important now than ever before. So uh, just keep that in mind as we continue to roll through these news stories. But before we do, um, I've got some fake news for you and you'll figure out why pretty quick. Um, the band 10 Megabytes has announced via social media that they are disbanding. Uh, the group leader said that they had much anticipation. However, they were unable to get a gig. And if you didn't get that, just think about it for a minute. Uh, it probably would come to you. Uh, here's a question. Do you suffer from anxiety uh, that an intruder may be hiding in your bedroom? You're not alone. All right. I Hopefully that one, uh, that one was obvious. Um, and, uh, and one last one for you. Uh, we've got Valentine's Day coming up here on Sunday. And I don't want to brag, but last year I opened more Valentines than I could count. Um, I also got fired from the post office last year. So anyway, I digress. So let's get back to our news coverage for this week. Um, and let's go to the state of California. The Los Angeles Board of Education unanimously approved a climate change curriculum for students K through 12 in the Los Angeles Unified School District this past Tuesday. The newly approved resolution goal is to implement the discussion of climate change into all subjects, including English, math, and science with the help of federal and state financial support that must be spent in three to five years. Uh, board member Scott Shermelson said at the February 8th meeting, quote, we're going to make sure that everybody teaches climate change through all the curriculum, unquote. According to the resolution, pollutants from freeways and refineries cause individuals to be more susceptible to asthma and other health conditions. The resolution also states educating students on how the state's drought Fires and floods can lead to, quote, unstable futures, unquote. Schools will also expand the climate change curriculum outdoors as students will participate in what's called climate literacy instruction, which is in nature, where students will go outside and learn about the climate. Out of Australia, an Australian study has found that selenium, a mineral found in many foods, could be a key to healthier Minds, as experiments, show that it can reverse the decline in brain function from poor health or old age. Selenium is a powerful antioxidant found in meat, tuna, sardines, eggs, among other things, the highest level found in Brazilian nuts. Uh, researchers from the Queensland Brain Institute discovered that physical exercise activates the mineral's benefits as increased activity facilitates a protein key to transporting selenium into our body. Uh, specifically into our blood. Lead researcher Tara Walker said this is the reason why exercise creates new neurons in the brain, 
boosting memory loss, something that they have known for the last 20 years, but didn't really understand how. The scientists sought to help people with low mobility also obtain the same benefits of the mineral and tested to see whether selenium supplements could replicate the effects of exercise. Uh, they do warn that uh, not people should not become too reliant on the mineral. Uh, Tara Walker also said, quote, selenium supplements shouldn't be seen as a complete substitute for exercise and too much can be bad for you. A federal judge has handed Texas elections overhaul a partial defeat days ahead of 2022's first primary. The ruling Friday night came by U.S. District Judge Xavier Rodriguez in San Antonio and weakens new rules that make it a crime for election officials to proactively help voters get a ballot by mail. It orders Texas not to enforce that narrow part of the law against Harris County, which in 2020 sought to spend or sought to send more than 2 million Houston voters mail-in ballot applications during the pandemic. Texas was expected to appeal the decision, which comes uh, just days before voting begins for the first in the nation primary, which is March 1st. From the world of sports, a four-time MVP, a three-time Super Bowl uh, player, and a beginning of a brother act. That is what... Uh, was all entitled in the Associated Press 2021 NFL Awards that were held this week in L.A. ahead of the Super Bowl, starting with Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers becoming the fifth player to repeat as the most valuable player. Uh, Tennessee's Mike Verbal is coach of the year, while Cincinnati quarterback, uh, quarterback Joe Burrow, who will be a part of this Sunday's uh, Super Bowl, uh, won comeback player, along with uh, teammate Jamar Chase, who was the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, this also did with two Rams players who are a part of uh, this year's uh, Super Bowl as well, including Offensive Player of the Year for the NFC, Cooper Cup, as well as lineman Andrew Whitworth, who uh, took home Man of the Year. As far as the Brother Act, Steelers Edge uh, TJ Watt won Defensive Player of the Year, an award that has been won by his brother JJ Watt, who currently plays for the Arizona Cardinals. We've reached our final two stories of the podcast for this week of February 7th and both to do with children. Uh, the first one is coming out of a new study that was released. Children have difficulty recognizing people who are wearing masks is what they have learned. Researchers had children complete a face memory test called the CFMTK and found that there was a significant difference between children studying unmasked faces and masked faces. Quote, the main findings from this paper are that children struggle to recognize masked faces. We found a decrease of 20% in their ability to recognize masked faces, while the average decline is around 15% for adults. Uh, so said Assistant Professor of uh, Faculty Health at York University in Canada, Erez Freund, uh, this is what he told researchers. Uh, well, previous research already showed adults' ability to process faces is hindered by masks. The new study is one of the first to examine the effect of masks on children's facial recognition abilities. Uh, 72 children were part of the uh, test with ages ranging from 6 to 14. Splitting the children into two groups, one 11 years of age and younger, researchers compared the test results and concluded the effects of masking on recognition of faces 
differs little due to age. That means the mask effect likely reflects, quote, a reduction in both holistic and feature processing, unquote. Uh, the uh, term holistic processing refers to how humans can currently process the whole face as opposed to individual features. Featural processing refers to using features like the nose when analyzing faces. Freyun said in a statement, quote, not only do masks hinder the ability of children to recognize faces, but they also disrupt the typical holistic way that faces are processed. And our final story, one Florida man owes his life to an eight-year-old girl who performed the Heimlich maneuver on him, successfully dislodging a bit of food lodged in his windpipe. On January 9th, 2022, Bradenton resident Michael Langston was at home uh, leisurely playing video games on a Sunday when he took a bite of sandwich and immediately started choking. He tried to wash it down, but to no avail. Uh, video surveillance in the home uh, shows Michael running from the living room into the kitchen uh, to get his girlfriend's six-year-old son, Keegan. Uh, fortunately, he knew just what to do, fetching his eight-year-old sister, Peyton, who had just weeks earlier learned the Heimlich maneuver from her mom, Michael's girlfriend. Uh, the footage shows Michael rushing into Peyton's bedroom and her wrapping both arms around his waist. With two thrusts, she dislodged the obstruction in his windpipe. Her mom, a paramedic in Manatee County, recently used the emergency maneuver on her son, Keegan, when he was choking on a piece of bacon, and after the incident, thought it would be prudent to teach her daughter the maneuver as well. And well, young Peyton put that knowledge to good use. Well, that'll wrap up our news portion of the Matthew Rocky Show for this week of February 7th. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned. We've got one more section where we've got some news stories, but they are a little bit lighter to hear, and uh, they are pretty interesting, uh, some of which are little crazy. So stay tuned for all that and a little bit more laughter. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to touch back on uh, what I was talking about a little bit earlier. I mentioned this a couple of different times in different ways. First, after I was talking about the Freedom Convoy, I mentioned about the fact that we live in a democracy and we have the right to vote and we have the right to have a say in the leadership in our country. And the fact that that is a privilege that most countries, most citizens in countries around the world do not get to experience that. And so let's not take uh, let's not take that for granted um, and make sure that we are always uh, being thinking of how does God want to use my abilities, my voice, my vote um, each and every single time. Uh, not only in election years, uh, but also just as we look to engage with our community and culture. We are in a desperate place as a nation uh, where there is a great need for good leaders, for people who have a vision. So uh, keep that in mind. I also talked about the freedom of speech and the fact that we have the ability to have a voice. Same thing with the, the, the ability to vote. But then I also was talking about the fact that the people we interact with are made in the in image of God. But our battle is not against them. It's against the father of lies, Satan, who's trying to destroy our families, who's trying to destroy our culture, our nation, this world. Um, we have to keep that in perspective as we think about uh, the people we're engaging with, the people that we are passing in the street, the people we get in conversation with, the people we get in arguments with. Uh, they're made in the image of God. Uh, it's not about them. Uh, yes, their ideas might be contrary to what we believe and what, what God's word says. And yes, we need to call that out. But no, we do not need to attack them as individuals. I want to take you to a passage in uh, 2 Timothy 2. I think this is an incredibly important 
piece of wisdom from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to uh, Timothy that we consider as we think about um, this battle for the culture that we are engaged in. This is what he says, picking up in chapter 2 at verse 24. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Well, it's great to have you along here on the Matthew Rocky Show, and uh, we are getting into our final section for this week. And this section is one that features stories um, of all different types and from all across America. Uh, they're going to range from just being very unique to being hilarious to being touching. And this uh, first story I've got for you uh, would fit into that category of sweet and touching, but also a little bizarre too, because it was about a cat uh, and the reunion of that cat with its family that was six years and 1,500 miles in the making. That's right. Denise Killy of Chesterville, Maine, says she got a call last week from someone who said her cat Ashes had been found in Florida. What is weird about this is Ashes went missing in Maine in 2015. A family friend says they looked for the cat for a while, but eventually concluded that it was probably dead. However, after that call... Uh, that Denise got, the cat's identity was confirmed with its implanted microchip. As to how it got from Maine to Florida, the family friend says she interrogated the cat, but, quote, she is not talking, unquote. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, 1,500 miles, and you think of how many states that is. Uh, it's, it's absolutely um, unbelieving. Uh, but, but thinking of uh, great distances and friendship, uh, that's where our next story comes in. Uh, it's not something you can go on and wager out, but it's a sure bet uh, for a long-standing Super Bowl record that will end this Sunday. Uh, three friends who have gone to every Super Bowl say this will be their last trip to the game together. They are all in their 80s and have gone to every single Super Bowl since the first one uh, 55 years ago, which also was in Los Angeles. Uh, Don Chrisman, the oldest of the three, at age 85, says this is definitely his last one. The other two, uh, Gregory Eaton and Tom Henshaw, expect their own streaks to end too, though not necessarily following this year's Super Bowl. That's a huge game coming up on Sunday between the Bengals and the Rams. And uh, yeah, that, that's an absolutely incredible story. 55 years in every single uh, Super Bowl along the way. So uh, just an incredible uh, friendship I'm sure those three individuals have as well. Well, here's uh, here's another story for you. This one also going back to Maine. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had Moxie, but it is the official soft drink of the state of Maine. It's very popular, uh, but there is a shortage of the drink uh, in Maine. And uh, if you are not a uh, Moxie fan, uh, you might be in the group of haters that say it tastes like medicine on a good day. Um, but to many Maine residents, uh, they say that, uh, well, the Moxie drink is their cup of tea. Uh, but love it or hate it, the soda is hard to find right now due to uh, supply chain issues. 
And the bottler says that supplies uh, for the drink um, is on the way and hopes to have it on store shelves uh, in the near future. So I've never had that before. And honestly, I would, would give it a try. Um, but I, I think it is, uh, it is interesting um, that you can have one area of the country who absolutely loves some kind of drink or food and then uh, everyone else thinks they're weird. Um, it, it's pretty incredible how diverse uh, this country is. Well, speaking of diversity, um, there is a lot of angles to this final story uh, for you this morning. Um, and uh, let me tell you, this one is hard to hard to understand and it's hard to follow. So stick with me because even authorities are having trouble summing up this case uh, that they dealt with this past weekend. And they're encouraging people to just follow the details as they listen to it. And that's what we're going to try to do. So here's here's the story. A Florida man allegedly stole a vehicle in what he called a, quote, good faith effort, unquote, to find his own vehicle. Uh, this happened after leaving a bar early Saturday morning, and it gets crazier. So the stolen vehicle that the man was driving got stuck on railroad tracks. So he jumped out seconds before it was slammed into by a train. When the train struck the vehicle, it sent it flying into a nearby home where two people were inside. Thankfully, neither was hurt. But the rampage didn't end there. Police say after the crash, the man tried then to steal a forklift from a nearby fruit stand, which he also vandalized. And here's the, uh, just the most insane part of this. He then flagged down responding deputies to let them know he was looking for his missing vehicle. Uh, that's when he was arrested. The 38-year-old man faces charges of grand theft and criminal mischief with additional charges expected to be tacked on. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, here's a, a couple of other uh, notes for you as we close out today. Um, I have been offered a job as a noise pollution uh, control officer, but I had to turn it down. Um, and here's something else, though, that I do on, on a different note. I did join an online dating agency for arsonists. Uh, they send me new matches every week. Well, hopefully uh, this has all brought a smile to your face. It's been great to have you along for the Matthew Rocky Show, and we will see you next week.